0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm got Gupta, and this is The Pulse. When we think about disability advocacy, we often think about legal advocacy or public education campaigns. What doesn't immediately come to mind is art. Yes, art as a means to challenge stereotypes and prejudice about disability. People with disabilities have been creating art for a very long time. Sometimes art has been seen as a form of therapy or recreation, other times as a hobby. More recently, art is being increasingly viewed as a way to highlight the abilities of people with disabilities. Art can help secure employment and economic independence for some people, but for many more, art is a showcase for all the ways in which disability provides a unique vantage point on the world. Today, we discuss disability and art. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. And welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm the Gupta. It's nice to spend a, about half an hour of my day with you. I hope everyone's doing well as Uh, The spring picks up across Canada and the days are getting longer and warmer, so I hope you had a chance to go out and about, visit with some friends and family, and especially to maybe even inspired by the outdoors, make some art. And if you listen to this program regularly or even somewhat regularly, you know we love talking about disability and art on this program, not least because I'm probably the least artistic person I know, which is why I'm attracted to people who are artists and the amazing work that they do. Today, my guest is Deidre Blackmore, who is the founder and program coordinator for Pottery Works, which is a studio based out of British Columbia. We'll talk to Deidre a little bit about why the studio space is so unique and important and how it all works got started. Deidre, welcome to The Pulse. I'm so glad you could chat with us today.
1: Thank you. I'm looking forward to it.
0: I don't want to give the game away. Why don't you start out by telling us a little more about Pottery Works?
1: Well, Pottery Works is um, a multimedia studio, meaning that uh, although we're called Pottery Works and we we do produce a lot of pottery, we also have uh, painters painters. And photographers and jewelry makers who work out of our studio and we uh, we have two locations in New Westminster British Columbia we have our studio and gallery and then a few blocks away uh, in a place called River Market we have a smaller retail outlet
0: so tell me a little bit about how it all got started and how you were involved with the inception of pottery works
1: well, I've been a professional artist uh most of my adult life. And uh, you know, from time to time the uh, the art world can be a little fickle <laughs> financially. Mm-hmm. And um I opened my own studio at at one point and um to supplement my income, I I worked in um a group home. Mm-hmm. And uh I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the relationship uh, with uh, the individuals that lived there. And um, uh, it was a situation that allowed me my time to also work in my studio. And um, after several years of that facility closed, and uh, I was kind of at a crossroads and wondering, um, you know, what my approach uh, should be. And I one day was just channel surfing uh, on TV while I was kind of lost in thought and the TV landed on the beginning of, uh, of all things, an Oprah show. Mm -hmm. And uh, Oprah was looking there at me (laughs) through the screen and, and, uh, opened the show by saying today we're going to meet people who have chosen to uh, use their their life in a way that benefits others to be inspired or in spirit. And so by the end of the show I just got it. I I just had this I that I was I was going to go and instead of looking at working with people with a disability as a way to supplement my income, I was going to go and think of what I could offer them. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I had to offer was my experience as an artist. And that was the beginning of Pottery Works.
0: Well, it's not just the only thing. It's a really big thing. What impact does art creating art, looking at art, being surrounded by art, have on the people with disabilities that you work with?
1: Well, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge impact. Um, it's, it starts with uh, self-identity. You know, I, I identify in my heart I'm an artist. That's my role in the world. And uh, so that's something we've been able to give our artists. Next, this coming June, is our 22nd year of operation. Many of our artists have been here for most of that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, our studio and what we do for them, because uh, we don't just teach and support them to create work, we act as their agent out in the community and uh, produce shows and make submissions to shows. Uh so you know this this is their this has become their role in their community and their identity.
0: Now you're in the in the studio or at least one of the studios right now, the one in Westminster, BC, you were mentioning you're in a little back corner and you've got the artists coming and going. If you don't mind, uh, and this is the power of the radio, give us a bit of a an idea of what's going on around you. Describe it to us.
1: Well, um, today is um, is a pottery producing day, and uh, so the the artists are um, having a morning cup of tea while they they look and see if they have uh, a project they've been working on that they're going to finish today, or if they're going to start something new. And um, and there are staff here who are working artists who advise them, and so. Um, the artists always make the decision what they want to do, how they want the finished piece to look, and um, and our role is to advise and support them on uh, how to achieve what they're seeing in their head. We have a big computer monitor with, uh, with many digital files of their work, as well as uh, the work of other artists. That's pottery or painting, photography. So, um, so when they're starting a new project, they they um, they make those choices and decisions themselves, mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing at the moment.
0: How easy or challenging is it for collaboration to take place? I mean, in one sense, because it's a multimedia space, I can imagine that someone working with pottery could, in theory, collaborate with someone who is a photographer. But when you factor in that people might be coming in with different levels of experience or even with different disabilities, does that pose a challenge to people working together?
1: Well, I, I um, schedule, you know, the artists and also the activities. So today is a pottery day. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday and Wednesday is our fine art painting group, which we call the Color Collective. Um, so you know that by by doing that, we tend to focus focus on whatever the medium of that day is, and that mm-hmm. gives the staff the the ability to be completely supportive. Um, so, uh, for example, a couple years ago, we we had a show at a major gallery in New Westminster here called the Anvil Center, and um, Three of our artists had gone and walked around the city of New Westminster, which is a very picturesque, historic place, with cameras. And they they mm. took quite a few photographs. Two of the artists uh, elected. They chose to use their photographs as references for paintings. And so they did paintings of the city. The third um, wanted Her photographs blowing up, and we so we printed them in a large format printer and stretched them. So they had a show at this gallery, Mm -hmm. um, called Walking Walking in New Westminster Three Visions. So um, you know that we we try to take the natural ability and that each artist has, and uh, and treat them as creative individuals so and we give them that kind of option.
0: Speaking of individual ability does someone coming into your studio need to have an established presence as an artist or is anyone welcome to come in even if they've never done any pottery before never picked up a paintbrush before?
1: Oh no any anyone's welcome I mean um, you know it's it's a busy place and so it's not not always easy to uh to get in of course because of covid we ha- we reduced uh numbers uh here so that we could have a safe work environment but uh, but no something that's been important from day 1 important to me as founder is that we teach because uh one of the pleasures for me and other friends of mine who are artists of being, being an artist is, it's, is lifelong learning. And uh, so, you know, if you've been an artist your entire life, uh, you know, when you're 60, you should be a better artist than you were when you were 20. And um, so, you know, that's very, very important, and it's something that is, that kind of support has helped the artists to really uh, grow and, and thrive. Here and I, you know, our painter group, uh, the color collective. I ask mm-hmm. each artist when they come into that. Um, so there's two ways to do this. Uh, it, if you want to just have fun, and uh, and do something that's kind of a hobby, and and uh, that's one way to do this. Or the other way is I can I can be a little bit more demanding with you and teach teach you to get better over time and point out where you could do things in a better way. Which which way do you want? And every single one of them said, I wanna learn and grow. So mm-hmm. that, you know, that's that was a learning curve for me. Um that uh, artists coming in here with disabilities, they're just as interested in self-development as anyone else.
0: I'm Jyothi Gupta. My guest today is Deidre Blackmore, who is the founder and program coordinator for Pottery Works, a collective of artists based out of British Columbia that is helping to overcome disability prejudice through art. I want to pick up on something you said earlier in our conversation about the teaching process and the lifelong learning aspect of working with artists with disabilities. How has your teaching process changed as a result of working with people with disabilities? I mean, uh, there must be some practical considerations that you have had to think about when uh, working with people with different disabilities, maybe you know, sensory disabilities, developmental disabilities, and things that have come into play that maybe aren't as much of a factor when you're working with able-bodied artists.
1: Well, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, what we do is very specialized. And uh, I want to mention here that we are uh, sponsored and supported by the Community Living Society, uh, which is an organization Founded in the early 1970s, that that supports um, individuals with disabilities residentially and with day programs. So we started we started out in one of their day programs. So the the um, the whole learning curve for me uh, is is partly from. Uh, being sponsored and supported by the community Living Society because they have provided me with training uh, in in working with people with disabilities mm-hmm. so that being said um, we have we currently have a, a, a blind artist who throws pots on the wheel yes. <laughs> we we did have a blind and deaf artist who through, Potts on the Wheel, who sadly passed away. But, um, you know, our, our approach, um, because it's individual to each artist, uh, you know, it, so it starts with their ability, and our goal is to take whatever ability they have and whatever vision they have and support them to develop that into, um, into something saleable because that's that we're a social enterprise and that's what we're we're doing we're we're providing first of all a platform in the community and um and also that identity as an artist and the ability to watch their work grow and develop and to to um to heal broken self-esteem actually Um, you know, to, because I have a memory of being a very young artist. And the first time I went to an art show and a total stranger walked up and got their wallet out and paid for a piece of my work. uh, Mm -hmm. So huge. Mm -hmm. uh, So validating. And so that's something that we, we are uh, providing for all of our artists. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did I actually That's amazing. answer your
0: question? You did. It is. And, and and actually it's a good way to segue into my next point because it is a social enterprise. How many of your artists go on to sell their work? Is it the majority or is it just the minority of people who actually it's end the, up having their work displayed or sold to private? Company? Oh yeah. it is.
1: Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of have two situations going on uh, in our studio we have a core group of uh, of artists most of who have been here for quite a long time who are here almost every day of the week and um and that's what they're doing um they're they're producing work for sale we have some uh drop in we have a drop in program so that artists who want to create something, but that's not really what their interest is in selling it. Um, mm-hmm. Some want to sell it or some want to give, make gifts for family or, or just have a hobby that they develop. And so we have them come in here too. The other aspect is we're creating um, employment for mm-hmm. our artists because we have evening classes uh, for the public, and uh, they come in and they learn to make pottery. They're very popular. We have a waiting list. And so each instructor has an assistant, and the assistant is one of our artists. Oh. Um, and then uh, we have a regular rotation of our artists who go to our river market store and learn retail skills. They, they uh, talk to the public and sell their work, and they demonstrate uh, for the public at a table in front of our store, how they uh, glaze, paint, and glaze their work. Amazing. Um, so some, something that was a learning curve for me many years ago, because I was focused on, um, you know, helping, helping the artists create saleable work and have that public experience. And when their work started to improve, I would say to them, um, you know, I I can sell that for you and make you some money. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very common that at first uh, there was resistance to that from the artists. They would say, no, I want to give that to my mother, my father, my sisters, my aunt. And Mm -hmm. over... Time I realized that the priority there for them at that time, before they went on to become, uh, you know, producing potters making an income, um, they they wanted to show their families what they were capable of, um, at be, and and so my, this was my learning curve. They needed to heal some uh, self esteem. Uh, If they grew up in a family with siblings who went on to go to university and get a car and get married and have lives that they haven't had Mm -hmm. and so it was very important right off the bat when when they reached a milestone with the quality of their work that's what they wanted to do with it they wanted their family and their networks to know look at look at me
0: Um, You know, if I were in in their position, I was just thinking if someone said to me, uh, you know, here's this piece of pottery that you've produced and you could go on to sell it, uh, I can see myself being really motivated or really pressured in a way to make it as good as it can be do you ever have to deal with perfectionism from the people that you work with where they feel that their work has to be better than the best because they're up against all of these preconceptions about people with disabilities and their perceived limitations
1: i'm sure that that's a factor in some cases Uh, you know i i absolutely can say that You know, that I've, I've witnessed that, but, but over time, you know, the solution to that is, is the, the public acceptance. Uh, -hmm. you know, once they've gone to a show or to our, to our river market store and talk and showing their work to a member of the public and the public buy it and congratulate them, then they, they start to have more confidence and, uh, and feel that, you know, that the work, the individual pieces are good enough.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me, just in the few minutes that we've got left, um, what this studio has meant to you. You've mentioned a lot how it's uh, changed you as a person, but I'm curious about how it might have changed you as an artist and how the work that you are producing as an artist may have undergone change or evolution because of the studio and the people that you've come in contact with.
1: Um well, it's a very demanding job writing <laughs> this place because it's just gotten you know bigger and bigger and bigger over all these years so um so my own uh i i have a half finished painting at home that's been half finished for the last several years <laughs> so, um but uh you know how it's changed me is it's in, just incredibly rewarding um my job is is difficult but really rewarding on a level i i never would have expected to to watch the artists grow uh, you know that 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 becomes my creativity to make uh, pottery works thrive and um and to see the artists at, at art shows and and the reaction from the public and to see that the look on the artist's face, the, the look of pride, and, uh, you know, that, that is so huge.
0: Well, just before we let you go, for those of us who don't live in the neighborhood and can't just walk into the, the, the retail store, is it possible to at least take a look at some of the work online, if not to buy it using an online platform?
1: We, well, we have an online shop, and we have two websites. One for one is just PotteryWorks.ca, uh, and then all the painter group uh, ColorCollective.ca, and you so and then there's a link uh, from PotteryWorks.ca to our online shop, which is PotteryWorksOnlineShop.ca, and um, we we ship our work all over Canada and to the U.S. So if there's something on there that um, you just have to have, (laughs) we can do that for you.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us today. It was so nice getting to know about Pottery Works and having a chance to hear all about it from you. Thanks so much for uh, speaking to us today.
1: Thank you. It was great. Thanks a lot.
0: Deidre Blackmore is the program coordinator and founder of Pottery Works, a collective of artists in British Columbia that is helping to overcome disability prejudice through art. Of course, you are welcome to check out their online store and see if uh, any of their uh, pottery or other art catches your fancy. But that's all the time we have today. Thanks a lot for being with us on our journey. Right here on the Pulse. Our technical producer is Nasreen Abdul Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI Audio. Paula Dineen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you have a chance to enjoy the nice weather out there and have a bit of a wander if you can. Until next time, I've been your host, Joy the Gupta, here on the Pulse. Uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week.